I've got a partner who does that, or I know of a company who does that. You guys can focus on what's broken and make something new. We now have those conversations about what our technology partners need, what our technology partners can provide to us, how they can even ease our pain in the product development lifecycle. Welcome to SaaS Connect, the SaaS Partnership Podcast, brought to you by the Cloud Software Association. Thank you, as always, to our podcast producers, content allies. They help B2B companies like you launch revenue-generating podcasts. They'll schedule interviews, produce the podcast, and promote it. Check them out at contentallies.com. So again, Rachel Colley, we'll get into a bit about what I actually do at Internet in just a minute, but I feel like this is a little bit of speed dating as we're all back in the whole in-person group again. I live in Denver, so it was great to be at sea level again. I've been managing technology partnerships specifically for about the past 10 years, been in sales for the bulk of my career, but technology partnerships about 10. A little bit about me, I'm a mom. I've got a toddler at home who literally puts her barrette in my pocket. So I would have a reminder for what I was presenting today. So good on Elsa. I'm a sports nut, all things football. So I'm super stoked about the draft starting tomorrow. Go Iowa State and all of our clones that are in the draft. And I'm also a farm kid from Iowa who loves movies. And my favorite movie is Field of Dreams. And for those of you who don't know the concept of the movie, it's it's a pretty simple one. Ray Kinsella, played by um, Kevin Costner, is a farmer in eastern Iowa. Has this big, beautiful cornfield. And like many of us who are out daydreaming, um, starts hearing voices about if you build it, they will come. Ease their pain if you build it. And what he decides to do is to pivot his strategy. He tills under his entire cornfield and he builds a baseball stadium. And throughout the course of the movie, different things start happening. Strulis Joe Jackson shows up, the 1918 White Sox show up, his dad shows up, and he realizes that while eventually he gets the goal, he was on the wrong strategy, and he had to pivot to this baseball field. And what I'm gonna walk you through, to, through today is how Unit has pivoted our strategy, we've built our own field of dreams, and how we're moving forward with our technology partnerships. So just to give you a little bit of background in Unit, because it really does kind of build a foundation as to what we're doing with our technology partner program. While we do have channel resellers implementation, we're talking specifically about our technology program. We have three products that are underneath one umbrella. We cover about 4,000 customers and we bring on board 400 new customers every single year. That's big because we are an ERP. Unit, three products. Our first one is our flagship, which is our GovCon ERP. This is an ERP specifically built for federal government contractors. We do not work with contractors who build battleships. As I affectionately tell people, we work with a customer who actually paints the battleships. We also have a second ERP that is for architects and engineers. And then our third product is a CRM that was purpose-built for the construction space. These are all three project-based organizations verticals. Two of the three we bought, we purchased through an M&A acquisition. So if you look at our three products, it is separate code bases, separate API background, separate setup. You give me the process and it is separate for all three. It is a developer. It is a technology partner's nightmare. But we're successful with it. You're going to need to talk a little bit about Unit's Connect Marketplace. For us, Connect is our product name for integrations. Everything that connects into our ERP is our Connect. We're talking about specific um, software platforms that support an ERP where the ERP is the central cog in the wheel, where the central pivot. Um, Much like when SAP builds their ecosystem, they are the central pivot. Everything connects into it. ERPs tend to be the source of truth. We launched this in July of 2020. We have over 90 integrations thus far. These are all Unit built for the most part. 
So it's a big drain on our, our development team. I'm supporting 40 different partners, all of them with varying degrees of actual involvement in the process, 14 to 15 different verticals. And what I mean by verticals is that payroll's a vertical, inventory's a vertical, where we have technology partners. We utilize Workado as our iPass. If you're looking at an integration, if you're starting to build out integrations, I always encourage individuals to start looking at iPass. Once you figure out how an iPass works, it makes your life simpler and easier from the build and the implementation of those integrations. And our focus in 2020 is moving towards partner-led integrations. And what I mean by that is versus, rather than Uninet doing the build, we want to start encouraging our partners to do the build. And how do you do that? Those of us that are in the technology partner space, we know that whoever picks the phone up first and says, do you want a partner, is usually the one tasked to build the integration. So one of our big pivots this year is how do we recruit partners without recruiting partners? I toyed a lot with this slide because I think this slide is a bit controversial because I think technology partnership strategies usually fall into one of two spots. And I feel very confident putting this slide up here now after what I've seen in conversations that have been happening on LinkedIn lately. Usually you have some individuals that believe technology partnerships, their sole purpose is to get you to sell more product. How does that technology partner enable your sales team to sell more product? That's a very internal facing view of technology partnerships. The second view of technology partnerships I see in the market and, and what I see going on right now is more customer focused. How does that technology partnership help ease the pain, field of dreams? How does that technology partnership help ease the pain of your customers, enables them to adopt more product and stay with you longer? So this is usually what I see when I view LinkedIn, go on blogs. I usually see these two schools of thought around why you want or why you need a technology partner program. Buy more product usually means that you have this type of org chart. This is the org chart that I started in when I started at Uninet in October of 2020. I sat as senior manager technology partnerships. I sat underneath, that actually should be right underneath, the director of partner success. Technology partners at Uninet were lumped with service partners, implementation partners, referral partners. We were all lumped together. In the case of an ERP, I know we've heard a lot about agencies today. In the world of an ERP, just replace the word agency with accounting firm, and those were our agency partners. Those were our reselling partners. And at Internet, what we had decided to do is that since we were launching technology partnerships, since it had the word partner in it, we're just going to stick them with sales. And that's where I sat for a very long time. Some challenges with that. If you think about technology partners, they don't sell anything that's yours. They don't implement anything that's yours. And they don't really do referrals back to you in any great degree. So I was sitting in an area that didn't really care about technology partners. We weren't table stakes in conversation. What our technology partners needed was something more over in the product side. The other challenge with where I sat is that I didn't carry a quota, didn't have a commission, didn't drive any sales revenue. So I really wasn't that highly respected or sought after within our sales organization. Respect's probably a strong word, but I really wasn't that sought after in our sales organization as a way to pivot and way to influence your own sales. But this org chart is not unique. In Crossbeam's recent partner ecosystem report, 46% of all respondents said, this is exactly how they report. They report directly into sales. Now in that report, there were channel, there were ISV partners, there were lots of other partners, but 46% reported right here. I kind of had an aha moment in October of last year, reading another Crossbeam report that really talked about what your strategy could be around technology partnerships. I really had a thought of what we should be doing at Uninet 
as we really thought about our technology partnerships. And again, it kind of goes back to ease our pain. And these three pillars that I put in place, the proposal I put in place in front of our chief product officer has really followed through as we start the evaluation of technology partners. So our three pillars that we stand by, one, does that technology partner help fill the gap to our software? Is there some functional gap in our software that this technology partner can fill for us that will help us check a box and help us close some business? This is, again, still customer-focused, but it's going to drive sales. A great example of this is that we are in our ERP. Every customer who has an ERP wants their ERP to connect to payroll. You want to make sure people are getting paid, but then you have to invoice and do financials on that payroll. They all want to integrate into a payroll system. We were never going to build a payroll system. It's too complex, too state-by-state state specific. So we decided to go out and partner. If you go on our website today, we have about 14 different payroll companies in which we partner and which we integrate to. So we want to fill the gap. We also want to look at tip of the spear. Some individuals look at this as a customer delighter. How do you take an integration, a technology integration partner, and how does that really tickle the interest, really delight your customers? How does it enhance your functionality? How does it delight your customers enough that they will adopt more of your product that they may not already be using? It goes back to a presentation, I think, that Alan said earlier, where only 60% of the subscriptions that are purchased are actually, or licenses are actually used. We look at technology partnerships, though, as a way to get customers to adopt more of the functionality that you've already purchased. So another example of this is that within our ERP for GovCon, we already have a small fraction of what's needed for contract lifecycle management, small piece of it. Meets the needs for the majority of our customers, but there's more we could do. So what we've decided to do is to partner with a company that that's all they do is contract lifecycle management. So we get our customers using what we've got, and then we take them up a notch by using bringing a partner into it. We delight them. We get them more excited about our functionality that's already in place. And then the third way that we look at technology partners, obviously, is customer retention. I think this is usually the number one reason that companies look at technology partners is customer retention. How do we solve that problem, that ever-going stickiness, and keeping them on board? Again, ERPs are usually the pivot. We are relatively new in the integration game, but our goal is to gain more customer retention. Again, these are three pillars that eventually lead to more revenue, but we view it the other way. We view it as functional gap, tip of the spear, and customer retention was going to eventually drive more revenue and ease their pain. So in October of last year, I took my thesis, I guess, my proposal to the chief product officer, and I said, I need to change everything that a technology partner needs, everything that we view as a strategy about how we are going to build out this technology program, everything we've decided as a way to be successful actually sits with you. And so I made a proposition to him that you move me over to product. And so I now report to our chief product officer, directly to him. If you go back to that cross-beam report, 2% of all technology partners report into the chief product officer. So I'm kind of a unicorn. I'm kind of unique. I'm having fun doing it, but I'm kind of unique. The report also said that 26% also report in the C-level. I don't quite report to the C-level, but I'm pretty excited that I report to the C-suite. I'm in the same line as our VP of product management, VP of engineering, our director of integrations. I have a seat at the product leadership table. I'm going to talk in a minute a few about some of the benefits we've seen from this, but this is really big foundational shift at Unit for me to report to product because when I made the move to product, rather than having to go up a line and across to get to product for what I needed, I now became an active participant at the table. And here's a really great example of that. I am sure that every single person in this room, if you don't report to product already, every single person in this room probably sits on either a quarterly or a half-year product roadmap. 
where your VP of product or product director of product market management comes on the phone, does this great big PowerPoint about all the things that they're going to do in H1. I participated in those. I sat as a very passive observer. But every single time our VP of product management did this presentation, I would say, wait a minute. I have a partner who does that. Why don't we just integrate? Why are we building it? I was a very passive observer. I see someone in there back there chuckling. I'm sure you have the same thing happen to you. So why is this important? I now have a seat at the table. I sit directly beside the VP of product management, VP of engineering who does all of our integrations, director of integrations, our chief product officer, and I have a seat at the table to really influence our roadmap. So rather than waiting until they already have their roadmap developed to say, I've got a partner who does that, or I know of a company who does that, you guys can focus on what's broken and make something new. We now have those conversations about what our technology partners need, what our technology partners can provide to us, how they can even ease our pain in the product development lifecycle. I think it's interesting, a picture that I've picked in here actually has five seats. There's five members of the product leadership team, so I was pretty interested that I found that. But again, I have VP of engineering, I sit beside him. He runs all of our development teams. He works with switch kids. I think it's funny that all development teams tend to have interesting names. Our team that runs development for integrations is called Switch Kids. Don't know how they came up with that, but they're going to Switch Kids. They do all of our integrations that are building into Uninet that we are building, and they also certify every integration that a partner built. I sit next to product management, and their directors across all three product lines, so I can tell you with good confidence what we're doing six months from now, and I can now go find partners who can build some of those integrations rather than provide those delighters, fill those functional gaps instead of our product team building all those items. And then I sit next to the director of integrations. This is the individual who sets the roadmap, much like a product manager would for, for a direct product line. We consider connect a product. So our director of integrations runs the integrations roadmap for our product team as well. So what were the benefits? I've got several lifted up here. Mostly it's really are focused on what our partners need. I think that one of the challenges that anyone in the partner space has whether you are a channel referral or, or you manage whatever partner program you manage, I think sometimes we forget that our partners are our actual customers. I have to remind myself every day that Unidet signs my paycheck, but my partners are my customers, and I have to be a very strong advocate for them. Just like our customer success managers are advocates for their customers, I'm advocates for my partners. When I was sitting in sales, I couldn't advocate for them because everything they needed sat in product. They need access to sandboxes. They need access to API. They need access to workflows. They need access to functional experts who can tell you how our product works so they know what solution they're solving. Every bit of information I needed to help support my partners sat in product, and I couldn't do that easily by sitting in sales. So moving me to product made me a much better advocate for my partners. As I said before, I can understand and influence the product roadmap. Point three is my favorite. Better evaluation of our technology partners. Great example of this. When I reported to sales, our chief sales officer would say, Rachel, that looks like a really good partner. How many leads can they bring us? That was his number one question. How many leads can they, it wasn't about what do they do? Can they build something? It was how many leads can they bring us? And I would tell him because I used Crossbeam. So I could tell him how many leads they could bring us. Okay, sign them up. Then our product team would get a hold of that partner. They say, why did you sign this partner? that is in direct competition to us. Within our ERP, we have several core pieces of functionality that are license specific. And I had went out and signed a partner that while they had many prospects for us, 
their core business model was resource planning. How many staff do I have available on my bench? How many staff do I need to fill this project, et cetera, et cetera? That's what they do. Guess what? That is core functionality within our ERP platform. I was bringing on a partner that would actually reduce our revenue in the long run. But short run, it bring in more customers, which is what our chief revenue officer wanted. He just wanted net new, didn't care if they churn because that's customer success's problem. Now we have better evaluation technology partners. We look at them from the lens of product and we look at the lens of customer use cases. Again, do they fill a fun? I keep repeating myself, but this is big. I think this is important for technology partners to keep in mind. Do they fill a functional gap? Do they delight our customers? Have they built an API before? Just look at their employee base. If they have no developers on staff, do you think they can build anything? Do they have their own open API? And fifth, what's the joint customer account look like? Do we have some early adopters that could potentially adopt this integration and see if it works, see if it has legs before we really go to market with it? I think the bottom point is really important as well as we want to build consensus and agreement between all department heads as we build our ecosystem. It is really important, again, seat at the table to know that I have Chris Mouse, who's our VP of engineering. I have his back when I go to partners. He has my back when we go to partners. We are all aligned. We are all on the same page. We are all singing the same tune. But with anything, we did learn some lessons. I am partner at heart. I am sales at heart. I come from a sales background. I'm from the Midwest. We talk really fast. I tend to move really fast because I'm from the Midwest. I move a lot faster than product. I did not understand. I still don't understand. I still don't understand this. We have a partner who needs one functional piece added to our software. They need a date added because their integrations is date specific. They need a date put in. That's going to take me four months to do. And I don't understand it. I still don't. But I've had to have some people explain it to me to understand that the way development works, Rachel, is that the functional team will build you that core functionality. Our development team, another API team, will build out the API that you need. And because we use Ricardo, another team will add that to the connect. Multiple sprints, Rachel, it's going to take three months. I still don't understand it, but it makes sense, I guess. Not everyone moves at the same pace, that in our process, there are lots of stops and starts. I move fast, some of our partners move fast, some of our partners move slow. So different gears and figuring out the right model to move and kind of getting that cog to move together. Be ready to learn. If you've never worked with product before, I think in the Zoom presentation, she said it best when someone asked her what you look for in a technology partner manager. She said she was looking for someone who has a product management background and wanted to move to the business side. I agree with her. I've worked in enough startups, so I have a good product acumen but I've had to learn. I've had to learn what refinement means. I've had to learn what sprints mean. I have to learn all these different word terms that they use. They don't learn what I say, but I will learn what they say so I can keep up with them. Document, document, document. I think that any new technology partner program, we forget to document. I was talking to someone earlier today and I showed her my template of how we onboard partners and it's literally a whole one note, like it's two pages of one note, but we document everything. We're still working on this process to document everything. Ask for forgiveness versus permission. This is an important one for me. When I was sitting in sales, again, I had to go up to and across. I was continually asking for permission. I couldn't just move. I couldn't just go. I'm very lucky that I work for the chief product officer who says, Rachel, I trust you. Do what you want to do and come back in and check in. And so we have specific touch points along the way. And I'm very lucky that I have that in Assad. 
Full disclosure, I should say, I probably should have started out with this. I have worked for Assad before or with Assad before at a previous company. So it did make it a little bit easier for me to pitch this idea to him. But there was some trepidation because his product are scary, right? They talk in bits and bytes. They talk in a language very few people understand. So it's still a bit scary to go to him. But Assad is very good about telling his team, just go. I'll forgive you later. Just go if you make a mistake and just do it and we'll see what happens. And that's really what we've been working under the last few months. I don't know why this has it as lessons learned. I think I got the wrong slide in there. But partners do see this reporting structure as a win. All but two of my partners would tell you that this is a win. But we've all got two partners who don't like us and who don't think that what we're doing is a win. So I've got my two. Happy to talk to you about them over a cocktail, but I've got my two. And why partners see this as a win is that finally, rather than having to have three or four calls about what they do, what they can bring to the table, what their value is, how many leads they can bring, they go right to product and do demos. We talk about workflows. We get them sandboxes. In our case, we have to give them two because they need a product sandbox plus a workado sandbox. But they get to the building part, which is the fun part, much, much faster now. I would say on the sales side, it would take six, seven calls just to get to, hey, do you want to sign a contract? Now it's two or three, a few emails. Here's the contract. Sign me up. Let's go. And then what's next? We're going to continue to build Utopia. I call it Field of Dreams. My boss calls it, Assad calls it Utopia. Some people call it North Star, all the same thing, but we're going to continue to build it. We're going to build out more documentations, more workflows. We don't have a portal. I feel very behind the times after hearing about partner portals all day. So we don't have a portal. We want to drive partner build integrations. This is a really big one for us. Again, I said, how do we get partners to, how do we recruit partners without picking up the phone? So we've got a lot of ideas around how we're going to do this. We actually have our own customer conference in three days. I have lots of decks to do tonight. We're going to see if we can get customers to drive this conversation. Who are you using? What vertical do you need to be successful? What systems do you need integrated? And oh, by the way, can you go talk to that company for us and get them to make the phone call? Because again, whoever makes the phone call first is usually the one who has to build the integration. How do we work technology partners into the sales motion? It is not table stakes today. It is more reactive. It's a customer saying to us, hey, do you integrate with this? Versus our sales team saying, if you had an integration in place for X, would that make your life easier? Would that make your workflows easier? How do we make uh, technology partners table stakes in every conversation? Develop joint success metrics? And how do we define the ever-elusive churn? I think everybody's trying to define that. And how do technology partners drive churn? I think we all think it does. But there's not a lot of great statistics that show us internally how it happens there. And then would we do it again? Yes. A thousand percent, yes, we would. If we build it, they will come. And we truly believe that mantra, that if, if we build it, if we build it successfully and continue down this path, they will come. Happy to take any questions. All right, let's get it up for Rachel Colley. Got a couple of minutes. Uh, questions? So we've got a couple back here. I'll run it down. Thanks. Love your presentation. Um, Thank you. I love the alignment of, you know, into the product org. I'm curious, are there still revenue targets being a part of that org that you still have to match to? Or we don't have, have any revenue targets, but I'll tell you the revenue we're driven off of it. I don't have a single quota on my head right now. I, someday that may change, but in eight, since July of 2020, our average integration sale is about $3,000. So we pay for that connector right there. That's not our software. That's just the connector. It's about $3,500, and we've done over $2 million just off of those connects. We don't expect to make money off of connects. We want to break even on it, right? We want to be able to cover our cost of the development time. 
Do we have customers that pay $10,000 for a Connect? Of course they do because they're bigger, complex. They serve a lot of purposes. But ours is meant to break us even. We want to get to profitability at some point in time. For right now, it's a break even because we want to be able to check a box to our prospects and say, yes, we can do payroll or to our customers and say, yes, we can do all these things to stay with Unit. Amazing. So a couple more. So I have a few questions. I wrote them down. In terms of your technical integrations, you mentioned while within the sales org, you were looking at what leads it will produce. Now, being in the product org, how do you prioritize which technical integration you're going to focus on? And what's the process for that? Sure, there's two. If we have a big enough customer who says, we need this, we will do this, right? We will do that. For us, a big customer is about a six-figure annual revenue. So if they came to us and said, we need this, we're going to jump and go get it. The other way we really evaluate is that I have got our chief product officer and one of our GMs, they are bought and sold into the value of Crossbeam. I don't pay Crossbeam yet. I have the free service, but they are bought and sold into Crossbeam, the value of looking at those matches to see where we've got early adopters and what customers we can go to and say right away, would this integration, would this workflow make your life easier? Got it. Thank you. So this kind of transitions into the other question, which is you're now rolling into the product org and it is more of an outside in process for creating an integration. How do you influence solution selling with the sellers? How do you get them to adopt what you're creating and making it repeatable? That is our goal for 2020. Our internal sales team and our reselling partners, they have not bought into integrations yet as a sales motion. They have bought into Connect as a, if I gotta, if I gotta sell it, I gotta sell it. But it's more of a customer or a prospect say, do you have this versus our sales team being proactive and being much more authoritative and knowledgeable and saying, this is how these integrations are going to reduce your workflow, reduce double entry, et cetera, et cetera. We're not to that table stakes game yet. Got it. Thank you. That's 2020. One more question. Terrific presentation. How did you make the selection of Ricardo in terms of like the process that you went internally in the organization? You might want to buy me some drinks for that. I actually wasn't a part of Unit when we did the Workado decision. I know why we chose Workado. We find that Workado is a really great platform to work with. Anybody who says that an iPass will make your life easy, I don't, they must be a seller of iPass because there's no easy button. There really is no easy button. I used this analogy earlier. And our big mistake with using Workado is that we started with a hard integration. And a hard integration for us is anything with payroll. Employee sync, going one way, time expense going the other. And I always tell people, your first integration with Ricardo or any iPass, sorry, is going to look like your first pancake. It's going to look terrible. It's not going to be round. It's going to be terrible. It's when you get to second two, three, and four, when you get better at it, that your integration is going to be smoother. It's going to be quicker to develop. It's going to be quicker to deploy. We're having to redo a lot of our integrations because we just didn't know what we were doing in the beginning. Um, and so we're having to reduce some of those. So Workado is great. Any iPass is great once you know what you're doing. But in the early stages, it, there's no easy button. There's just no easy button. Our partners get really frustrated with it, but we force their hand because we don't want direct API. We want it through Workado. We want it through Workado. That is our standard. Amazing. Let's give it up for Rachel Colley. Unidat, thank you so much, Rachel, thank for you. coming. Fantastic presentation. If you like this and want more great insights on software partnerships, You've got to rate, like, and subscribe and join us at thecloudsoftwareassociation.com. Thank you as always to our podcast producers, content allies. They help B2B companies like you launch revenue generating podcasts. They'll schedule interviews, produce the podcast and promote it. 
check them out at contentallies.com. We'll see you on the next episode.